the Fertility Podcast is here to help you understand more about your fertility and for the last eight years has published a lot of conversations with experts and people sharing their stories. It's now going back to its roots, giving you people's lived experiences once again to give you comfort in knowing there's a community of people who get it so you find commonality, be inspired and know you're not alone. Started by me, Natalie Silverman, a former patient, once I was pregnant after fertility treatment, I later joined forces with Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse consultant, who is now your host. And here she is. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome to this episode of the Fertility Podcast. And it's actually one that I've wanted to chat about for quite some time. In this episode, we are looking at how to navigate private IVF, but also we're doing a bit of a dive into the darker side of fertility treatment, which I'm going to come on to in a bit. But before we do, I want to start talking about navigating private IVF. And the reason I've wanted to do this episode for quite a long time is this is probably one of the main reasons why women and men come to me um, to discuss IVF treatment privately. And it, the reason is, is because accessing private healthcare is something in the UK we're not really used to doing, is it? You know, we're very, very used to the NHS and being confronted with paying for private care is not something we're hugely used to. So we tend to view it in a very different way to, say, our US counterparts who are very used to navigating their private healthcare system for all their healthcare needs. So it's something we're not used to. And I've learned over the many years that I've been working in fertility is that we need to look at it in a very different way. So women and men often come to me because perhaps they've tried their NHS um, have not been successful or that they want to go straight to private IVF. But they just want to understand their options. And often for them, I can be someone that they perhaps bounce some ideas off, someone that can um, they can discuss uh, options that they have been provided with by their um, specialist. And they want to, to find out whether that's something that they could consider. Now, I will always say that I will always refer back to um, their doctor and their doctor will make the right decisions for them. But sometimes it's just understanding that those decisions are are made. Because I think women are worried, patients are worried when they come to me, that perhaps they're being offered treatments for more commercial reasons than necessarily healthcare reasons. Now, I say that really carefully because I don't think for one moment any of my medical colleagues would make decisions based on any commercial reasons. However, we have to remember that just like any organization, IVF clinics will have KPIs. They'll have they'll have targets that they have to achieve. And majority of private health clinics, private IVF clinics are owned by investors. So behind the medical professionals are investors who want a return on their money. So they want their clinic to be working as effectively as possible. 
Of course, they're a business. Absolutely. Understand that. But like I said, I don't think for one minute my medical colleagues would be thinking in that way. But when you've got pressures of targets and KPIs, of course, you know, that that is going to be an element and that that pressure will totally be there for them. So what we see that is very differently in private clinics compared to NHS is that if you were going through private uh, NHS IVF, then it's a pretty standard protocol that, yes, there might be some things that are changed based on your own medical history or own needs but generally it's standard protocol and you won't be offered generally any of the IVF add-ons and when you are navigating the private healthcare system it's very different you can be offered a lot more treatments and as I've talked about on a podcast before IVF add-ons not all of them have a great deal of um, evidence to support their use And some of them may carry risks either to you or to the baby in the future. So it's important to understand those. And these tend to be the things that I'm discussing with my patients when they come to me. If they've been offered an IVF add-on, then I'll discuss all of these in detail so that they can make informed decisions. And importantly, go back to their doctor and say, oh, could you just explain this a little bit more? And I think that's important. But the main thing is, going back to what I say, is that we aren't really used to private healthcare in the UK is getting your head in a very different zone. So when we access care, we tend to think as patients and we sit in front of the doctor and we have trust that the doctor knows what they're talking about. Of course they do. So sometimes we don't ask questions. But when you're going through private healthcare, you need to switch your mind from thinking of a, as a patient to thinking your mind as a consumer. So how would you think about and what questions would you ask say for example when you're buying a house let's think about these big purchases which were which let's face it are equally as big (laughs) um, maybe not as big actually um, as as creating your family but there's still things that you're spending an awful lot of money on so whether it's buying a car or whether it's buying a house you ask questions you would if buying a car and this is a really crude example but you would be having a choice about what color your car is, whether or not you wanted leather interior. And so you'd be asking those questions and you'd be expecting to get back your car with the color that you asked for, the right interior, the spec that you wanted, and let's face it, four wheels. That's what you'd be expecting to get. So you have the opportunity when you're sat in front of the car dealer to ask these questions and state what you want. Whereas when we're sat in front of our doctors, we still feel that we can't ask all the questions, that perhaps we feel a little bit rushed, that we don't have the time to ask these questions, or that you get tongue-tied because your doctor knows best. So I really want you, if you're thinking about navigating private healthcare, to make that switch in your mind. Think, I'm a consumer, I'm entitled to ask these questions, I'm going to write them down, I'm going to spend the time asking them, I'm not allowing myself to be rushed, and I'm going to get what I've paid for. And that's really important. So let me know whether, you know, thinking like a consumer is something that you've been able to successfully switch in your mind when you're sat in front of your doctor I'd be really intrigued to know but again a lot of questions I get are how do you choose your clinic and that's really difficult because 
with IVF, particularly if you're London-based, and I appreciate not everybody is, but if you're London-based, then you've got a huge wealth of clinics. So how would you go about choosing the right clinic for you? It's really tough. My first start point would be look at the HFEA website, and they have a really handy choose your clinic drop-down menu where you can put in the distance, geographical distance that you'd like to travel, and then it will bring up a whole host of clinics. And you can look at those clinics and narrow down your choice based on geographical area, uh, the treatments that they offer to make sure they're the right treatments that you're looking for. Um, and then you can navigate from those that from the HFA website to the individual clinic website and then start looking at other things like what um what 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 are the fees what do they cost and you can do then an equivalent because each clinic has different costs so then you could go and look at another clinic and see um, what their clinic um, also offer sadly on the hfea website although it's fantastic for helping you narrow down your choices it's really good isn't it to be able to see reviews of um, the clinics and kind of where you can um get more information about what patients think. And that's really important. But sadly, on the HFE website, there's not a great deal of information on that. So not not, not many people, and I encourage you to, go back onto the HFE website and, and review their clinic. It'd be great if you would. Um, our sponsor for this week is one of those um, opportunities where you can go review the clinic in the lowdown, and you'll hear a little bit about them in a moment. Um and also in a future episode, I'm going to be talking about another way that you can um, choose and help help you to choose your clinic and review your clinic. So keep tuned for that. So what questions, once you've narrowed down your, your options, and I would say narrow down to about three, and then have a discussion with this clinic to see what it is that they can offer you before you make your choice. So it might be that you can access a free consultation or you might have to access a paid consultation. Some of them are in person, some of them by video. So have a look, see what you can find. And these are the kind of the 10 questions that I would suggest that you ask when choosing a clinic. And there could be others that you add to this list. So what treatments are offered? What are the costs of private treatment? And are there any hidden extras that's really important because often a clinic might advertise their prices but actually there's then hidden costs such as drug treatment which could really bump up the, the cost look at the clinic success rates and here we're looking at live birth rates rather than pregnancy rates you want to know how many people have come away with a, with a baby at the end of their treatment look at the hfea inspection rating also look at the patient rating as i mentioned but we'll talk about where you can find that in more detail later Location, so think about the location for you. Um, if they have a satellite clinic that might help you, what emotional support can they offer you? What clinic waiting times there are? Generally with private healthcare, there are very little clinic waiting times comparatively to the NHS, so that is definitely a plus. Does the clinic offer evening and weekend appointments? And does the clinic have a support group that you can join? So those would be the questions that I would suggest asking when you uh, are thinking about narrowing down your clinic so with your three clinics then once you've narrowed down your clinic there might be questions that you want to, to ask at your first IVF appointment and these can be things like how do you decide what treatment is best for me what are success rates again why are your success rates higher or lower than other clinics do you tailor IVF treatment for each patient what are the health risks of IVF? What are their rates of OHSS, so ovarian hyperstimulation? What tests would they advise prior to an IVF cycle? 
And do they accept any tests that you've had recently done? Um, what tests they recommend during IVF treatment? So this is where they'd be recommending any IVF, uh, sorry, IVF add-ons. What drug treatments do you need to take and what side effects might you experience? And then things like, should you take time off work during a treatment cycle? What you can do to give yourself the best chance of success during the treatment cycle? Um, do they recommend IVF add-ons? And if they are recommending specific ones to you, ask about the evidence that they have and also the health risks, as we discussed earlier. And again, you can ask whether they have a patient support group. Are they open seven days a week? Gosh, there's lots of questions here. <laughs> I've got loads more that I could say, but that gives you a flavor of the type of things that you can ask. And I, and I hope that that is useful. We are delighted that this week's podcast is sponsored by the lovely people at The Lowdown. Now, The Lowdown is a women's health platform which actually started its life as a contraceptive review platform and has now been co-created with real people and medical experts to help you learn about your reproductive health. So no more Dr. Google. You can now understand how to optimise your fertility with their personalised report from the Lowdown's team of doctors. So whether you're actively trying to conceive right now or you're fertility curious or just thinking ahead, you'll find really great actionable tips and advice for women and men. So visit thelowdown.com to get your free fertility guide today. So when you're navigating IVF or even when before IVF and you're on a fertility journey and you're thinking about what you can do to optimize your fertility, you might have found yourself looking for help and support in other avenues, such as nutritionists, an acupuncturist, reflexologists, all which can be helpful and benefit a fertility journey. And it's definitely something to put in your little strategy box to support you. But what about the darker side of IVF? And in a moment, I'm going to bring on my guest today, which is a lovely lady called Antonia. And she is a freelance journalist and has written for the Daily Mail, Telegraph and The Times. And Antonia, I first contacted by Antonia probably about a year or so ago when I did. I commented on an article that she was doing at the time on fertility and we had a lovely chat on the telephone. Um, and followed each other on on social media, only to then find out that actually we lived five miles away from each other, which was crazy because I assumed she lived in London. She probably assumed that I lived in London, but no, we're in the same place. And in fact, she literally grew up about a mile away from where I'm currently living. So crazy. And so she did an article on infertility and the article is entitled Struggling with Infertility, Why So Many Women Are Going to Psychics and Tarot Readers to Fulfill Their Baby Dreams. So Antonia asked me to comment on this one, and I certainly could, because I'd say probably most days I switch on, put on my phone in the morning, click onto Instagram, and my heart is literally sinking because I'm reading about people who are, I think, preying on vulnerable women and are offering alternative therapies that have no evidence to support their use and it 
are expensive and it and it drives me insane. So Antonia has written this fantastic article where she interviewed ladies who had consulted psychics, tarot card readers, had acupuncture and and nutritional therapy and talks about the false hope that they were given and but also the cost as well involved in these. So I'm going to bring Antonia in now and we will see what she has to say about the article and we'll also be talking about my comments in the article as well. So without further ado, let's bring in Antonia. Hi Antonia, welcome to the Fertility Podcast. Hello, hi. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on and it's so great to have you here. And the reason why I asked you to come on the podcast is that you recently wrote a fantastic article in the, was it in the mail? Daily Mail? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it was entitled Struggling with Infertility, Why So Many Women Are Going to Psychics and Tarot Readers to Fulfill Their Baby Dreams. And very kindly, you asked me to contribute to the article and comment on um, on my kind of thoughts on it. And I thought this deserved a bit of airtime because it was such a great article. And I thought it's just a, such a fantastic topic to discuss. So thank you so much for coming on to discuss it further, because I do think it's something that we need to talk about more and to hopefully educate women to make the right choices. Whereas sometimes in this industry there are real vulnerable women who get to the point where they would try anything so I'm kind of intrigued as to understand why you wanted to write the article what made you thought think that this would be a a good thing to investigate and start writing about well I think because the age of women trying to conceive is getting older so we're needing more more and more help Um, And also that in conjunction with social media and people offering these services online, I think it makes people who are struggling really vulnerable. It it really does. And I see so much of it. And actually, when we when we chatted over the phone for the article, I think I signposted you to a number of people that I see on social media that are, are doing just this. So tell me, what did you find out? Well, there's lots of different services that are completely unproven, but women who would ordinarily not fall for anything like this um, because they are feeling powerless um, and desperate are buying this false hope. So there's there's psychics, people offering tarot card readings, uh, people, nutritionists saying that if you change your diet, they can get you pregnant. I know because we've spoken about this and you've you've Mm. seen this yourself a lot. and then there's services in, in fertility clinics uh, who are offering add-on treatments that are not proven and often cost thousands of pounds, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting and extremely worrying. And, and ordinarily rational-minded women and men are, are just paying for these services because they want something to pin their hopes on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's difficult, isn't it? You can understand that when women and men see things on social media and perhaps these individuals who are unregulated stating that they've got so many women pregnant in the last 12 months or whatever um and you know I think my point in the in the article was that it's only fertility clinics that can say that because they've got the evidence to say that the the uh the the therapy the treatment that they provided actually resulted in 
a live birth mm. and that's the only evidence and, and nobody else can actually say that um, so I do find it really difficult when uh, practitioners state that when there is no evidence tell me about the psychics and tarot card readers because it's an area that I just oh honestly I could despair with but tell me a bit more about that yeah because there's varying degrees. I mean, you could argue the merits of, say, acupuncture or, or nutrition, but I think mm. with psychics, we can agree that there's really no basis in in reality here. Um, yes, these women found these psychics on Facebook groups. There was one woman I spoke to who, she wanted to know actually the gender of her child because um, the men in her family had a tendency towards autism. So she was very nervous about about having a boy. Um, so when she was five weeks pregnant, she went onto Facebook groups that um, said that they could predict, they, they, they offered ways um, in which people could find out what, what sex baby they were expecting. And it was recommended by many people, psychics, who were saying they had 90% success rate. Um, it was done over email. I think she paid £20. And she was told when she was five weeks pregnant that she was having a girl, which was what she wanted, but which was also just completely nonsensical because I think the um, you can't tell what sex a baby is going to be until, is it eight, eight or nine weeks? Normally, but a 12-week scan, an individual will be told the sex of the baby. You're often not told before that if you're just following the routine scans that the NHS provide. Yeah, and the only information she gave was her the date of her last period, and it was done over email. And the psychic said that she could predict that she was going to have a girl. So she was really happy about that, but then she wanted um, more confirmation that she was going to have a girl. So she saw another psychic, um, also found via Facebook, but this time the psychic said that she was going to have a boy, um, and she was devastated. So she then wanted to see a third psychic to see if they would say that that she was actually going to have a girl. I mean, I know it sounds it sounds kind of mad, but in the in the in the state that she was in, mm. it made sense to her, and she was she was a really sensible woman. Um, speaking to her, um, she she didn't she didn't sound like she was someone that would ordinarily fall for this kind of kind of thing. But anyway, the third psychic who she saw in person said she was going to have a boy. She was absolutely devastated. And then she actually miscarried a few weeks later. And then on top of the trauma of the miscarriage, there was the the, the guilt that she somehow brought it on by being upset that she was having a boy. Oh, gosh, bless her. And as you say, you can completely understand that a well-educated, rational woman would, when you're so desperate to understand what's going on particularly for her because she was obviously concerned about autism and if that went down the male line she would be desperate to understand now I'm pregnant you know what what, am I going to have a boy or a girl am I going to be likely facing having a child with this diagnosis so I can completely understand how desperate she felt at that time and then the trauma and anxiety and feeling that she'd somehow caused miscarriage because I think as women we do tend to blame ourselves a lot for fertility and pregnancy loss even though there's again no evidence suggests that stress in that way could 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 cause the miscarriage and very likely it didn't because there are so many other reasons why that can occur that are much more likely but I can understand her anxiety surrounding that yeah absolutely and I think with hindsight she now realizes that that she was just that it caused more it caused more stress and she regrets doing it. Mm. So there, there were psychics and that was done over over 
email, but I also spoke to a woman who visited, um, who, who called a psychic, she called a psychic phone line, actually. Um, she'd, she'd had cancer, she'd had ovarian cancer, um, she'd had her ovaries removed, so she was very unlikely to be able to conceive anyway. Um, but this psychic reader said that she predicted the number eight, which was the number of eggs that she'd had frozen after her cancer treatment. And that number gave her hope that somehow she was going to be able to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So she's now having almost, I think, nearly accepted that she wasn't going to get pregnant. She now has this hope that's come from a, a woman that was charging, I think, 50, 15 pounds for the phone call, um, who knew nothing about her at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because there's something about enabling some hope during your fertility journey. And and I say that really, really carefully, because I often think it's much better to try and remember to live your life while trying to conceive. So have finding joy and, and happiness in other areas of life other than just the the kind of being run down by the your inability to conceive and, and the, the process. So feeling hopeful and perhaps finding some joy in other other avenues, but also in the process, can be good just to to get you out of your head a bit. Now, being hopeful, somebody saying, I've got to be hopeful, otherwise I won't conceive, that's not the truth. But actually allowing yourself to be happy and find some joy can make the whole process less of a burden. Mm -hmm. So I can understand in many ways for her, that probably was a good thing to feel that little bit of hope. Did she go on to have a successful pregnancy with her frozen embryos, do you know, or is she still in the process? So far not, no. Oh, that's such a shame. That's such a shame. Oh, well, let's hope she does. So then you mentioned about acupuncturists and nutritionists. And and we do know there is um, some research to show that acupuncture can be beneficial in an IVF process, for example. But there's still a lot that is unproven. Um, And nutritionists, I think nutrition plays a really important part in our health generally, but also in in preparing for pregnancy and optimizing fertility. What did you find out from talking uh, to people who access acupuncture and nutritional therapy? Well, I think the problem, as you say, there is some evidence that it um, that acupuncture can um, can help in conjunction with IVF. But I think the problem with this specific acupuncturist that um, the woman I interviewed went to see was that she very specifically marketed herself as a fertility acupuncturist and said, "We can get you pregnant." Wow. So she wasn't saying that we can help relax you to help to help deal with any stress that you might experiencing, but specifically the link between the acupuncture and the pregnancy. And that's not proven, is it? No, absolutely not. And that's, I think that is, as I mentioned at the beginning, that is what drives me insane. Nobody can say that. Nobody, apart from an IVF clinic. So anyone who's saying that I think is, is, is misleading, is very wrong. Um, and it's so difficult because these people aren't regulated. And, and that's the issue you've got, which is where I've seen people that, I mean, the worst one that I've seen is a, and, I, and she'll remain nameless, but a practitioner who states that after two phone calls, a lady with her was pregnant. Um, I think it was an after two phone calls, another lady had, had no longer got endometriosis or something. I can't remember. And I think, how can you, how can you say that? How can you say that? and sleep at night <laughs> that's what I think but there's no comeback is there as you say it's unregulated so who can 
Who can you complain to? We are delighted that this episode of the Fertility Podcast is sponsored by our friends at One Day Tests. Whether you're thinking about starting a family or are already trying to conceive, getting a blood test can be a really powerful tool to support you on your fertility journey. And let's face it, we all know that it's a journey that could be fraught with challenges and uncertainty. However, doing a blood test is really straightforward and everything you need is in the box. I've just done one and it's so simple. You press the lancet firmly down on your fingertip and gently massage your finger to allow the drops of blood to collect in the collection tube and you pop it back in the post. It's so simple. And getting a blood test done with one day tests can really help shed a light on things that can affect your fertility, such as your egg reserve levels, hormone imbalances, and other possible issues, for example, PCOS. More importantly, fertility blood tests can give you the insight to what you need and can empower you to take the most impactful next steps in your fertility journey. It will really help you take the guesswork out. One Day Tests offer a large range of fertility-related blood tests for both men and women at really affordable prices. It's super flexible and can customise your test and have it done at one of their nine clinic locations. Or if you're far away, don't worry, you can do it in the comfort of your own home using their home testing kits. Results are returned quickly with an easy-to-understand description which you can access online and download to share with your healthcare practitioner. So to find out more, visit onedaytests.com and you as a podcast listener can get a 10% discount by entering the code TFP10. So thank you to One Day Tests. They're really giving you the power to manage your health and your fertility. And when it comes to the financial side of it, how much did you find that women spent or couples spent on on these alternative therapies? Yes, I mean, compared to fertility clinics, this was nothing, which I suppose is another draw for, for them because they're not asking for thousands of pounds. I mean, the acupuncturist was, I think, £90 an hour and these psychics were charging £20 um, per per reading. So it's it's more 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 manageable for, for people if they mm-hmm. want to buy some sort of hope. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I suppose, you know, certainly with, with acupuncture, that can be quite a, uh, an investment, as, as can working with a nutritionist. And, and these things then start to add up, don't they? So it's very easy to start going into the hundreds and thousands before you know it. Yes. No, I, I interviewed, so I, for a different piece, actually, I, I spoke to a man in, in his early 30s um, who wanted to do, and I don't know if this is something you see more more of, but he wanted to do everything he could to boost his sperm motility because it was it was him who was having the issues with, with fertility. So he'd spent, I think, four or five thousand pounds before even starting IVF um, on private add-on treatments. And I think he spent several hundreds of pounds on a nutritionist. Um, and I remember him telling me it was a, a, about this specialist salad he'd been told to eat um, with spinach and I think apple cider vinegar. And I was just interested because that wasn't the focus of my piece, but I was interested in what you thought about whether something like that would be able to, I think it's to reduce the oxidative stress in his in, in his body. There are so many things like that, like using apple cider vinegar about uh, so many different things that women and couples might do at home, which, again, are all unproven. There's no evidence to suggest that they work at all. Sometimes there's the, the feeling, I guess, that I 
see with some of my women is they they feel that they're doing something and that gives them a great deal of um, reassurance that whilst perhaps they're waiting for an appointment, waiting to start IVF, if they can take some things and do some things under their own control, so that can be beneficial. But I always say, look, these things that you're doing will have no bearing on whether or not you conceive. But if it makes you feel as though you're doing something, then as long as you're not causing any harm, and that's the issue. And, and that leads me, great segue, into talking about immunology, because I know, although it didn't form part of this article, you did quite a lot of research in, into that. And that is an area that can cause harm. So tell me what you what you investigated in that and found out. Yes, I spoke to a woman who'd had multiple miscarriages. She was heartbroken by the time she arrived um, at a fertility clinic for um, for IVF. And the clinic offered immunology, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, it's, um, it's offered on the basis that uh, the body can reject a pregnancy because it has natural killer cells um which can which can get rid of the get rid of the embryo have i got that right you have got it exactly right yeah and it cost several thousand pounds and she was told by the clinic that she was borderline so she didn't have that many of these natural killer cells but she paid for the treatment because her reasoning being that if she hadn't done every single thing possible to get pregnant then she would never have forgiven herself because she did, she could find the money. So Mm. she felt that it almost made more sense to spend the money seeing as she was having IVF anyway. But it's completely unproven, isn't it, immunology? It is completely unproven. And there are a number of IVF add-ons, as you mentioned, um, that the HFEA, the Human Fertilization and Embryology Association, ratify. And they look at the all of these add-ons based on what evidence is there. So they look at the evidence and they also weigh up the risks associated either to the woman or to the pregnancy. Um, And immunology, sadly, doesn't have the evidence to support its use, but also there are risks. So if you're if you're suppressing the immune system, then you are, by using steroids, then you're at risk of other illnesses, for example, and COVID being a prime one at the moment. So it, it, it does that does come with a risk. Now, many women do choose that because, again, they're a bit, as, as you really eloquently said, these are women that will never forgive themselves if they don't turn every page, if they don't investigate everything. Um, so they, they sometimes do make that decision. And I can understand why they make that decision. And and that's fine as long as they understand that there are there is no evidence to support its use and therefore it could be money down the drain, but equally that there are risks associated and that's the important thing. But yes, they can be incredibly expensive and not actually give us very much information or detail at the moment. I always say though that IVF in itself was experimental. 40 odd years ago when Louise Brown was the first test tube baby, as we used to call it then. Um, And if we didn't push the boundaries of science and perhaps try things that don't necessarily have the evidence to see whether evidence can be then made and and be beneficial for live births, then we would never move on. So I think IVF in itself is experimental. And I think it is important to be aware of that as long as you understand that there are potentially no benefits and there are risks. Mm. And she did actually fall pregnant in the end, but after she stopped immunology. (laughs) Typically. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's really good to hear. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. Well, I bet it was so interesting um, investigating and, and finding out as much as you possibly can. And thank you so much for 
bringing it to attention because so much this need this needs to be out there this needs to be discussed more so that women don't go and make these choices that are actually not going to help them and could be quite damaging. I think I mentioned in the article that I've seen women um, that come to me after they've had, and I, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that there is absolutely a place for nutritionists. I really do. Um, but I have seen women that have come to me with health anxiety after seeing a nutritionist because perhaps they've not been given the advice in the, in the right and correct way. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's all nutritionists are far from, you know, they, they can be incredibly useful. Um, but I think you just have to be really circumspect and do your due diligence when you're considering looking for some different alternative therapy or some support on your fertility journey. Don't you agree? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So what did the, um, what did the nutritionists tell the, tell the women or what were they worried about that they'd been eating wrong and that they might've harmed no, what it was in this one um, well, particular example that, that springs to mind is that um, they did a load of genetic testing. So a bit like the DNA 23andMe or whatever it is, um, and found that this lady was predisposed to diabetes. So she came to me and I remember her, her words were, you're not going to tell me something that's going to scare me, are you, Kate? I said, no, of course I'm not. Why? And she basically had been told that she was very likely to get diabetes because of this. Um, And this was ruining her life. And she was utterly terrified, utterly terrified. Now, it could be that as a result of this knowledge, she now leads a lot lot healthier life and therefore is less likely to get diabetes in the future, which can only be a good thing. But I just think it's the way that it's managed. And I think you have to be really careful. Yeah, that's so sad. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine what, what, what a painful time it is for women who are trying to conceive and, and, and men as well and how vulnerable you are. So mm. yeah, I feel nothing but empathy towards, towards them. No, I know. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Antonia. That's been really useful. Thank you for coming on again. Thank you for your great article. Um, and it is on my Instagram. So if anyone would like to um, have a little read and follow the links and you'll be able to follow over onto Antonia's Instagram page where she managed to put the article on in a much better way than I did on my feed. So you'll be able to have a little look at that and have a read of it. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you. So I hope that you found this episode today useful. It's certainly been good for me to get all of this off my chest at long last to talk about this episode, which I wanted, like I said, to talk about for so long. I hope it's been useful for you to give you some tips if you are navigating private IVF and to start thinking as a consumer rather than a patient. Also, it's given you some tips of questions to ask when you're choosing your fertility clinic and also first questions to ask at your IVF appointment. But also to hear from Antonia and to understand the darker side of fertility treatment and just to be careful. So if you are thinking about accessing any of these alternative therapies, and I'm not saying don't, I'm just saying be careful, do your due diligence, understand that actually a lot of people are offering you false hope and these aren't going to make a difference. Think about it. If they were going to make a difference, if going to a psychic or a tarot card reader was going to tell you that you're going to conceive and you're going to have this boy or a girl or whatever, or seeing another practitioner who has got 50 ladies pregnant in the last year or last month, whatever she's said, if that actually 
worked, do you think we'd need IVF? Of course we wouldn't. Nobody has that magic key. And I know when you're desperate, it feels like somebody out there will have it, but they won't. So make wise decisions. Think carefully about the money that you're spending and invest your money where it's really going to make a difference by getting the right advice, by getting evidence-based support and advice and nowhere else. Hope that's been useful. And we're back in two weeks with another great episode. So have a great couple of weeks and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fertility Podcast, which is brought to you by NatChat Productions. The music is composed by Parla. It's hosted by Kate Davis. And the episodes are put together by Ella Woodhouse and exec produced by me, Natalie Silverman. Before you click onto your next podcast, we'd love it if you could either click on the star ratings or write a quick review, as it's a brilliant way for others to know what you think. And even just hitting follow or subscribe really helps other people know it's worth a listen. Finally, just to say, you can follow the podcast on Insta at Fertility Poddy. Kate is at your fertility nurse. And if you'd like to book in a consultation with Kate to understand more about your fertility and reproductive health, just visit yourfertilityjourney.com. <laughs>